What is up, ladies and gentle nerds? It's your boy Graham, also known as HamHawks42 on the internet, and today we are going to be looking at another random magic card. Okay, so spoilers are behind us. We're back to the normal format. I'm going to be looking at a random magic card and talk about it for at least 10 minutes. Haven't seen this yet. This is completely off the dome, unscripted, unedited. I'm going to go ahead and pull it up right now. All right. Ooh, and okay, what we are looking at is Scroll Thief. So it is a 1-3 Merfolk Rogue for 3. Whenever Scroll Thief deals combat damage to a, to a player, draw a card. Okay, so it's pretty straightforward. This is a common from... What set is that? Um, <laughs> okay, interesting. I haven't seen that one before. Um, anyway, so it's fairly straightforward. It's a 1-3 it's a three for 3. Um, Scroll Thief deals combat damage to a player draw card. I mean, this actually looks really similar to Thieving Otter, which is one that we see right now in Ikoria. Thieving Otter being a 2-2 otter uh, with the same ability that when it hits a player, you draw a card. Actually, the the short or C-Dash or Octopus has a similar ability. That curiosity effect... Curiosity? That's obsessive... What is it? Compulsive curiosity? Uh, anyway... I'm sure people are yelling right now. The ability to draw a card upon combat damage to a player. That is a fairly common blue effect. You see it from time to time. And there's an element of blue that is small. Like, small, sneaky creatures is something that you see in blue quite a bit, which is why rogue is a subtype that isn't particularly uncommon there. And it makes sense. You know, the ability to get a little 1-1 one, one that's unblockable that can deal combat damage, but when it deals the damage, it does stuff. You know, it's not a surprise that blue is one of the two colors that has ninjas. You know, it's designed to be sneaky. Um, Tetsuko Umezawa is actually like one of the first things I think of here because that would give Scroll Thief unblockable for as long as Tetsuko's on the field. So that's fantastic. Um, and the reason for that is because the Scroll Thief has a power of one. Tetsuko Umezawa gives all creatures with power or toughness, one or less, um, unblockable. So perfect. Like, just boom. Little guy's unblockable. You can swing in, just draw a bunch of cards. Nothing wrong with that. You know, th that one damage is more annoying than anything, except the card you draw is a very real advantage. I love the fact that blue has combat interactions where the benefit is not necessarily the damage that it deals. I think that is a very slick design, and I like it. It gives blue a reason to engage in combat while still maintaining that blue identity of having very weak creatures. Um, that's one thing that you see. Blue has like huge Leviathan Kraken monsters that are oftentimes a little bit pricey for what you get, and... Um, I don't know. Some, some of them are pretty good, but most of them not so much. And then they have a lot of little weenies that are just not that great. And it's those two... I find th that dichotomy interesting because the little weenies either are just straight up terrible and are designed to teach new players uh, what cards to avoid when deck building, or they're intended to do some other interesting interaction. They have some unique ability. It's not... Un it's not an accident that so many so many abilities and so many cards throughout the course of the game that end up really breaking things come from blue blue is all about playing mind games that's that's ultimately what the color identity is it's about outsmarting your opponent achieving perfection through your own hard work and mental energy and just having that 
capability to best your opponent using your mind. And so, naturally, the card mechanics in a very mentally taxing game are going to be more complicated and potentially more powerful when they are applied in the correct situation. And I think that that's perfect. That's exactly what you want to see in this kind of a kind of a color. So let's, I mean, let, let's do kind of a little case study real quick. Let's look at a, a blue, um, so I'm, I'm thinking of like a blue staple, like Unsummon. It's a great card. It is. It costs one blue. You take a creature from the battlefield, put it back in your opponent's hand. Now you have a lot of flex, or you put it back in its owner's hand. You have a lot of flexibility here, because it can be a creature your opponent controls. It can be a creature you control, um, or it could be. Well, I mean, yeah. It, well, I guess those are generally the only two options. But or actually, if you're in like a multiplayer game that's like two headed giant or something, you could hit your your ally creatures too. Just any creature on the board, you can bounce it, and then. But, but the thing is, bouncing doesn't destroy. It doesn't exile. The thing is still around. It just... They just have to play it again next turn. So it doesn't destroy it. It slows them down. And it gives your opponent a moment where they have to really think about what they want to do. Because in the next turn, they can either recast the thing they played last turn, or they can cast the thing they were planning on casting when the thing was on the battlefield. And that gives them a decision point. You're forcing them to think. You're forcing them to engage with the cards on another level. And that's blues level. And I like that. Meanwhile, if you look at things like Shock or, you know, Doomblade, kind of just the classic little instance from the other colors, and they just like, they just deal damage. They just kill stuff. That's just what they do. You know, they're much more straightforward. They're much simpler. Um, and in some cases, they're more effective depending on what you're trying to do. So, to get back to Scroll Thief, the reason that I'm thinking about that specifically is because Scroll Thief brings that level of complexity that Blue brings to the table specifically to combat. And I love how it does it in a couple of different ways. So, one, the deals combat damage ability. So, if this goes unblocked, if this gets if this gets through to your opponent, you get to draw a card. Now, if you're swinging with this along with some other attackers, that presents a really interesting conundrum for your opponent. So they have to allocate their blockers appropriately, and usually it's just a power-to-toughness matchup. You know, that's usually how combat goes. You line up the creatures with the best toughness against the creatures with the best power, and you put it in a way that once they all smack into each other, it comes out in your favor. You know, that's just how it works. But Scroll Thief is an interesting conundrum because... If, let's say I'm swinging with, I don't know, let's, let's say I'm swinging with, like, a 2-2 and Scroll Thief, and my opponent has, like, a has a 2-2 or even a 2-3 back, well, it was, uh, let's, let's keep it simple. They have a 2-2. I swing with a 2-2 and a Scroll Thief. Who do they block? Now, if you block the 2-2, those creatures are going to trade, and... So my creature's going to die, which could be beneficial depending on what else it's got going on. But it's preventing them from taking two damage. Okay, that's something. Now, if they block Scroll Thief, it's going to prevent them from taking one damage, but they, the 2-2 two, two gets through. So now they're still taking two damage, you know, instead of the one. But because they block Scroll Thief instead of my 2-2, two, two, my Grizzly Bears, or whatever we've got going on over here, I don't get to draw the card off Scroll Thief. 
And so you have to measure kind of the value of one card compared to your life total in a really interesting way. Now, the reason that I picked a 2-2 as the blocker specifically is because the other element of Scroll Thief's design that I really, really appreciate is the fact that it has toughness 3. So it has toughness 3, and it deals combat damage trigger. So it, this creature clearly wants to be attacking. There's no question about that. But its toughness is very high for its cost, you know, for its size. Its toughness is pretty decent. And so in combat, all of a sudden, your opponent isn't going to easily be able to kill this thing by chumping, chump blocking it with a little 1-1. One, one. That's not going to work. You know, you, it'll stop the ability from triggering for one turn. But he's just going to be swinging again next turn, and he's going to tie up that same blocker unless it killed, unless, you know, Scroll Thief straight up killed it. So that's an interesting dynamic that puts the onus on the blocker to really think it through back on Blue's level. The, you know, the, I'm going to take you to my level. Let's get up here. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, Blue does a phenomenal job of messing with the game in very small ways to just throw off your opponent just enough. Um, to get them to think differently. You know, it kicks them off their plan, and their ability to improvise is going to dictate whether or not they can win the game. And Blue's calling the shots. And that's where control comes from. That's what tempo comes from. Like, those archetypes are all about that. And that's cool. I really, really dig it. And so I think Scroll Thief exemplifies this to some degree. It's a fun little version. Now, this is a card that We've seen other versions of it. Now, this particular one, it does have the rogue subtype, which is becoming more and more relevant, which is pretty cool. So we are seeing some support for that. So I think that's neat. Um, yeah, but I got to say, if I have an opportunity to grab Scroll Thief or Thieving Otter, I'm usually going to grab Thieving Otter, and it's not just because it's cuter. It is cuter, meaning absolutely no offense to Scroll Thief. So let's go ahead and take a look at the... There, There is a pretty sizable chunk of flavor text, so let's go ahead and check that out. Capcho merfolk have infiltrated fortresses as remote as the desert citadel in Sonari in their relentless quest for arcane knowledge. I love that. I love a guy, like, I, I love the, the story of this character um, having to perform a heist in order to go to school. Like, the idea that he's breaking into a university um, or a castle, a citadel here in order to steal knowledge. Like, he just wants to do his homework. He wants to do his homework so badly he is willing to commit high crimes for it. I respect that. I respect that a lot, in fact. So Scroll Thief is really an aspiring academic, and I believe one that we can all um, applaud and admire for his dedication to bettering himself and uh, and, and challenging his own, uh, you know, his own abilities and pushing himself, just mentally speaking, to get on Blue's level and play the game right up there. I, I appreciate that. I really dig it. I think flavorfully this all came around in some pretty cool ways. So, I don't know. It's interesting. Scroll Thief, everybody. It's a common. It's a little expensive for what it does, but it can do some fun interactions. And I think that this actually in new play, like this in a deck designed for new players is a fun way to introduce them to that idea of how blue operates and how playing blue feels. Uh, I think that's great. I think this this nails it. So, all in all, I like Scroll Thief. It's fun. Although, you know, I generally like these cards because magic is fun. And I'm not a, I'm not a, sorry about that. It just is what it is. And I love it. So, yeah, this has been Scroll Thief. Thank you so much for hanging out, guys. And, uh, yeah, there will be more of these coming 
as always, I'll catch you tomorrow where we look at another random magic card. It will also be unedited and unscripted off the dome, as they say. And I hope you're having a wonderful day, night, weekend, holiday, whatever time it is when you're listening to this. Thank you for being here, and I will catch you next time.